book seven of pierre or the ambiguities by herman melville this librivox recording is in the public domain book seven intermediate between pierre's two interviews with isabel at the farmhouse chapter one not immediately not for a long time could pierre fully or by any approximation realize the scene which he had just departed but the vague revelation was now in him that the visible world some of which before had seemed but too common and prosaic to him and but too intelligible he now vaguely felt that all the world and every misconceivedly common and prosaic thing in it was steeped a million fathoms in a mysteriousness wholly hopeless of solution first the enigmatical story of the girl and the profound sincerity of it and yet the ever accompanying haziness obscurity and almost miraculousness of it first this wonderful story of the girl had displaced all commonness and prosaicness from his soul and then the inexplicable spell of the guitar and the subtleness of the melodious appealings of the few brief words from isabel sung in the conclusion of the melody all this had bewitched him and enchanted him till he had sat motionless and bending over as a tree transformed and mystery-laden visitant caught and fast-bound in some necromancer's garden but as now burst from these sorceries he hurried along the open road he strove for the time to dispel the mystic feeling or at least postpone it for a while until he should have time to rally both body and soul from the more immediate consequences of that day's long fastings and wanderings and that night's never-to-be-forgotten scene he now endeavoured to beat away all thoughts from him but of present bodily needs passing through the silent village he heard the clock tell the mid-hour of night hurrying on he entered the mansion by a private door the key of which hung in a secret outer place without undressing he flung himself upon the bed but remembering himself again he rose and adjusted his alarm clock so that it would emphatically repeat the hour of five then to bed again and driving off all intrudings of thoughtfulness and resolutely bending himself to slumber he by and by fell into its at first reluctant but at last welcoming and hospitable arms at five he rose and in the east saw the first spears of the advanced guard of the day it had been his purpose to go forth at that early hour and so avoid all casual contact with any inmate of the mansion and spend the entire day in a second wandering in the woods as the only fit prelude to the society of so wild a being as his new-found sister isabel but the familiar home sights of his chamber strangely worked upon him for an instant he almost could have prayed isabel back into the wonder world from which she had so slightingly emerged for an instant the fond all understood blue eyes of lucy 
displace the as tender but mournful and inscrutable dark glance of isabel he seemed placed between them to choose one or the other then both seemed his but into lucy's eyes there stole half of the mournfulness of isabel's without diminishing hers again the faintness and the long life-weariness benumbed him he left the mansion and put his bare forehead against the restoring wind he re-entered the mansion and adjusted the clock to repeat emphatically the call of seven and then lay upon his bed but now he could not sleep at seven he changed his dress and at half-past eight went below to meet his mother at the breakfast-table having a little before overheard her step upon the stair chapter two he saluted her but she looked gravely and yet alarmedly and then in a sudden illy repressed panic upon him then he knew he must be wonderfully changed but his mother spoke not to him only to return his good morning he saw that she was deeply offended with him on many accounts moreover that she was vaguely frightened about him and finally that notwithstanding all this her stung pride conquered all apprehensiveness in her and he knew his mother well enough to be very certain that though he should unroll a magician's parchment before her now she would verbally express no interest and seek no explanation from him nevertheless he could not entirely abstain from testing the power of her reservedness i have been quite an absentee sister mary said he with ill-affected pleasantness yes pierre how does the coffee suit you this morning it is some new coffee it is very nice very rich and odorous sister mary i am glad you find it so pierre why don't you call me brother pierre have i not called you so well then brother pierre is that better why do you look so indifferently and icily upon me sister mary do i look indifferently and icily then i will endeavour to look otherwise give me the toast there pierre you are very deeply offended at me my dear mother not in the slightest degree pierre have you seen lucy lately i have not my mother ah a bit of salmon pierre you are too proud to show toward me what you are this moment feeling my mother mrs glendinning slowly rose to her feet and her full stature of womanly beauty and majesty stood imposingly over him tempt me no more pierre i will ask no secret from thee all shall be voluntary between us as it ever has been until very lately or all shall be nothing between us beware of me pierre there lives not that being in the world of whom thou hast more reason to beware so you continue but a little longer to act thus with me she reseated herself and spoke no more pierre kept silence and after snatching a few mouthfuls of he knew not what silently quitted the table and the room and the mansion chapter three as the door of the breakfast-room closed upon pierre mrs glendinning rose her fork unconsciously retained in her hand presently as she paced the room in deep rapid thought she became conscious of something strange in her grasp and without looking at it to mark what it was impulsively flung it from her a dashing noise was heard and then a quivering she turned and 
hanging by the side of pierre's portrait she saw her own smiling picture pierced through and the fork whose silver times had caught in the painted bosom vibratingly rankled in the wound she advanced swiftly to the picture and stood intrepidly before it yes thou art stabbed but the wrong hand stabbed thee this should have been thy silver blow turning to pierre's portrait face pierre pierre thou hast stabbed me with a poisoned point i feel my blood chemically changing in me i the mother of the only surnamed glendinning i feel now as though i had borne the last of a swiftly to be extinguished race for swiftly to be extinguished is that race whose only heir but so much as impends upon a deed of shame and some deed of shame or something most dubious and most dark is in thy soul or else some belying spectre with a cloudy shame-faced front sat at yon seat but now what can it be pierre unbosom smile not so lightly upon my heavy grief answer what is it boy can it can it no yes surely can it it cannot be but he was not at lucy's yesterday nor was she here and she would not see me when i called what can this bode but not a mere broken match broken as lovers sometimes break to mend the break with joyful tears so soon again not a mere broken match can break my proud heart so if that indeed be part it is not all but no 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 it cannot cannot be he would not could not do so mad so impious a thing it was a most surprising face though i confessed it not to him nor even hinted that i saw it but no 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 it cannot be such young peerlessness in such humbleness can not have an honest origin lilies are not stalked on weeds though polluted they sometimes may stand among them she must be both poor and vile some chance blow of a splendid worthless rake doomed to inherit both parts of her infecting portion vileness and beauty no i will not think it of him but what then sometimes i have feared that my pride would work me some woe incurable by closing both my lips and varnishing all my front where i perhaps ought to be wholly in the melted and invoking mood but who can get at one's own heart to mend it right one's self against another that one may sometimes do but when that other is one's own self these ribs forbid then i will live my nature out i will stand on pride i will not budge let come what will i shall not half-way run to meet it to beat it off shall a mother abase herself before her stripling boy let him tell me of himself or let him slide adown chapter four pierre plunged deep into the woods and paused not for several miles paused not till he came to a remarkable stone or rather smooth mass of rock huge as a barn which wholly isolated horizontally was yet sweepingly overarched by beech trees and chestnuts it was shaped something like a lengthened egg but flattened more and at the ends pointed more and yet not pointed but irregularly wedge-shaped somewhere near the middle of its underside there was a lateral ridge and an obscure point of this ridge rested on a second lengthwise sharpened rock slightly protruding from the ground 
beside that one obscure and minute point of contact the whole enormous and most ponderous mass touched not another object in the wide terraqueous world it was a breathless thing to see one broad haunched end hovered within an inch of the soil all along to the point of teetering contact but yet touched not the soil many feet from that beneath one part of the opposite end which was all seamed and half riven the vacancy was considerably larger so as to make it not only possible but convenient to admit a crawling man yet no mortal being had ever been known to have the intrepid heart to crawl there it might well have been the wonder of all the country round but strange to tell though hundreds of cottage hearthstones were of long winter evenings both old men smoked their pipes and young men shelled their corn surrounded it at no very remote distance yet had the youthful pierre been the first known publishing discoverer of this stone which he had thereupon fancifully christened the memnon stone possibly the reason why this singular object had so long remained unblazoned to the world was not so much because it had never before been lighted on though indeed both belted and topped by the dense deep luxuriance of the aboriginal forest it lay like captain kidd's sunken hall in the gorge of the river hudson's highlands its crown being full eight fathoms under high foliage marked during the great spring tide of foliage and besides this the cottagers had no special motive for visiting its more immediate vicinity at all their timber and fuel being obtained from more accessible woodlands as because even if any of the simple people should have chanced to have beheld it they in their hoodwinked unappreciativeness would not have accounted it any very marvellous sight and therefore would never have thought it worth their while to publish it abroad so that in real truth they might have seen it and yet afterward have forgotten so inconsiderable a circumstance in short this wondrous memnon stone could be no memnon stone to them nothing but a huge stumbling-block deeply to be regretted as a vast prospective obstacle in the way of running a handy little cross-road through that wild part of the manor now one day while reclining near its flank and intently eyeing it and thinking how surprising it was that in so long settled a country he should have been the first discerning and appreciative person to light upon such a great natural curiosity pierre happened to brush aside several successive layers of old grey-haired close-cropped nappy moss and beneath to his no small amazement he saw rudely hammered in the rock some half-obliterated initials s ye w then he knew that ignorant of the stone as all the simple country round might immemorial have been yet was not himself the only human being who had discovered that marvellous impending spectacle but long and long ago in quite another age the stone had been beheld and its wonderfulness fully appreciated as the painstaking initials seemed to testify by some departed man who were he now alive might possibly wag a beard old as the most venerable oak of centuries growth but who who in methuselah's name who might have been this s ye w pierre pondered long but could not possibly imagine for the initials in their antiqueness seemed to point to some period before the era of columbus discovery of the hemisphere happening in the end to mention the strange matter of these initials to a white-haired old gentleman his city kinsman who after a long and richly varied but unfortunate life 
had at last found great solace in the old testament which he was continually studying with ever-increasing admiration this white-haired old kinsman after having learnt all the particulars about the stone its bulk its height the precise angle of its critical impendings and all that and then after much prolonged cogitation upon it and several long-drawn sighs and aged looks of horror significance and reading certain verses in ecclesiastes after all these tedious preliminaries this not at all to be hurried white-haired old kinsman had laid his tremulous hand upon pierre's firm young shoulder and slowly whispered boy tis solomon the wise pierre could not repress a merry laugh at this wonderfully diverted by what seemed to him so queer and crotchety a conceit which he imputed to the alleged dotage of his venerable kinsman who he well knew had once maintained that the old scriptural ophir was somewhere on our northern sea-coast so no wonder the old gentleman should fancy that king solomon might have taken a trip as a sort of amateur supercargo of some tyre or sidon gold-ship across the water and happening to light on the memnon stone while rambling about with bow and quiver shooting partridges but merriment was by no means pierre's usual mood when thinking of this stone much less when seated in the woods he in the profound significance of that deep forest silence viewed its marvellous impendings a flitting conceit had often crossed him that he would like nothing better for a headstone than this same imposing pile at which at times during the soft swayings of the surrounding foliage there seemed to lurk some mournful and lamenting plaint as for some sweet boy long since departed in the antediluvian time not only might this stone well have been the wonder of the simple country round but it might well have been its terror sometimes wrought to a mystic mood by contemplating its ponderous inscrutableness pierre had called it the terror stone few could be bribed to climb its giddy height and crawl out upon its more hovering end it seemed as if the dropping of one seed from the beak of the smallest flying bird would topple the immense mass over crashing against the trees it was a very familiar thing to pierre he had often climbed it by placing long poles against it and so creeping up to where it sloped in little crumbling stepping-places or by climbing high up the neighbouring beaches and then lowering himself down upon the forehead like summit by the elastic branches but never had he been fearless enough or rather foolhardy enough it may be to crawl on the ground beneath the vacancy of the higher end that spot first menaced by the terror stone should it ever really topple chapter five yet now advancing steadily and this by some interior predetermination and eyeing the mass unfalteringly he then threw himself prone upon the woods last year's leaves and slid himself straight into the horrible interspace and lay there as dead he spoke not for speechless thoughts were in him these gave place at last to things less and less unspeakable till at last from beneath the very brow of the beetlings and the menacings of the terror stone came the audible words of pierre if the miseries of the undisclosable things in me shall ever unhorse me from my manhood's seat if to vow myself all virtues and all truths be but to make a trembling distrusted slave of me if life is to prove a burden i cannot bear without ignominious cringings if indeed our actions are all foreordained and we are russian serfs to fate if invisible devils do titter at us when we most nobly strive if life be a cheating dream and virtue as unmeaning and unsequelled 
with any blessing as the midnight mirth of wine if by sacrificing myself for duty's sake my own mother re-sacrifices me if duty's self be but a bugbear and all things are allowable and unpunishable to man then do thou mute massiveness fall on me ages thou hast waited and if these things be thus then wait no more for whom better canst thou crush than him who now lies here invoking thee a down darting bird all songs swiftly lighted on the unmoved and eternally immovable balancings of the terrastone and cheerfully chirped to pierre the tree boughs bent and waved to the rushes of a sudden balmy wind and slowly pierre crawled forth and stood haughtily upon his feet as he owed thanks to none and went his moody way chapter six when in his imaginative ruminating moods of early youth pierre had christened the wonderful stone by the old resounding name of memnon he had done so merely from certain associative remembrances of that egyptian marvel of which all eastern travellers speak and when the fugitive thought had long ago entered him of desiring that same stone for his headstone when he should be no more then he had only yielded to one of those innumerable fanciful notions tinged with dreamy painless melancholy which are frequently suggested to the mind of a poetic boy but in after times when placed in far different circumstances from those surrounding him at the meadows pierre pondered on the stone and his young thoughts concerning it and later his desperate act in crawling under it then an immense significance came to him and the long past unconscious movements of his then youthful heart seemed now prophetic to him and allegorically verified by the subsequent events for not to speak of the other and subtler meanings which lie crouching behind the colossal haunches of this stone regarded as the menacingly impending terror stone hidden to all the simple cottagers but revealed to pierre consider its aspects as the memnon stone for memnon was that dewy royal boy son of aurora and born king of egypt who with enthusiastic rashness flinging himself on another's account into a rightful quarrel fought hand to hand with his overmatch and met his boyish and most dolorous death beneath the walls of troy his wailing subjects built a monument in egypt to commemorate his untimely fate touched by the breath of the bereaved aurora every sunrise that statue gave forth a mournful broken sound as of a harp-string suddenly sundered being too harshly wound herein lies an unsummed world of grief for in this plaintive fable we find embodied the hamletism of the antique world the hamletism of three thousand years ago the flower of virtue cropped by a too rare mischance and the english tragedy is but egyptian memnon montanized and modernized for being but a mortal man shakespeare had his fathers too now as the memnon statue survives down to this present day so does that nobly striving but ever shipwrecked character in some royal youths for both memnon and hamlet were the sons of kings of which that statue is the melancholy type but memnon's sculptured woes did once melodiously resound now all is mute fit emblem that of old poetry was a consecration and an obsequy to all hapless modes of human life but in a bantering barren and prosaic heartless age aurora's music moan is lost among our drifting sands which whelm alike the monument 
and the dirge chapter seven as pierre went on through the woods all thoughts now left him but those investing isabel he strove to condense her mysterious haze into some definite and comprehensible shape he could not but infer that the feeling of bewilderment which she had so often hinted of during their interview had caused her continually to go aside from the straight line of her narration and finally to end it in an abrupt and enigmatical obscurity but he also felt assured that as this was entirely unintended and now doubtless regretted by herself so their coming second interview would help to clear up much of this mysteriousness considering that the elapsing interval would do much to tranquillize her and rally her into less of wonderfulness to him he did not therefore so much accuse his unthinkingness in naming the postponing hour he had for indeed looking from the morning down the vista of the day it seemed as indefinite and interminable to him he could not bring himself to confront any face or house a ploughed field any sign of tillage the rotted stump of a long felled pine the slightest passing trace of man was uncongenial and repelling to him likewise in his own mind all remembrances and imaginings that had to do with the common and general humanity had become for the time in the most singular manner distasteful to him still while thus loathing all that was common in the two different worlds that without and that within nevertheless even in the most withdrawn and subtlest region of his own essential spirit pierre could not now find one single agreeable twig of thought whereon to perch his weary soul men in general seldom suffer from this utter pauperism of the spirit if god hath not blessed them with incurable frivolity men in general have still some secret thing of self-conceit or virtuous gratulation men in general have always done some small self-sacrificing deed for some other man and so in those now and then recurring hours of despondent lassitude which must at various and differing intervals overtake almost every civilized human being such persons straightway bethink them of their one or two or three small self-sacrificing things and suck respite consolation and more or less compensating deliciousness from it but with men of self-disdainful spirits in whose chosen souls heaven itself hath by a primitive persuasion unindoctrinally fixed that most true christian doctrine of the utter nothingness of good works the casual remembrance of their benevolent well-doings does never distil one drop of comfort for them even as in harmony with the correlative scripture doctrine the recalling of their outlived errors and misdeeds conveys to them no slightest pang or shadow of reproach though the clue-defying mysteriousness of isabel's narration did now for the time in this particular mood of his put on a repelling aspect to our pierre yet something must occupy the soul of man and isabel was nearest to him then and isabel he thought of at first with great discomfort and with pain but anon for heaven eventually rewards the resolute and duteous thinker with lessening repugnance and at last with still increasing willingness and congenialness now he recalled his first impressions here and there while she was rehearsing to him her wild tale he recalled those swift but mystical corroborations in his own mind and memory which by shedding another twinkling light upon her history had but increased its mystery while at the same time remarkably substantiating it 
her first recallable recollection was of an old deserted chateau-like house in a strange french-like country which she dimly imagined to be somewhere beyond the sea did not this surprisingly correspond with certain natural inferences to be drawn from his aunt dorothea's account of the disappearance of the french young lady yes the french young lady's disappearance on this side the water was only contingent upon her reappearance on the other then he shuddered as he darkly pictured the possible sequel of her life and the wresting from her of her infant and its immurement in the savage mountain wilderness but isabel had also vague impressions of herself crossing the sea recrossing emphatically thought pierre as he pondered on the unbidden conceit that she had probably first unconsciously and smuggledly crossed it hidden beneath her sorrowing mother's heart but in attempting to draw any inferences from what he himself had ever heard for a coinciding proof or elucidation of this assumption of isabel's actual crossing the sea at so tender an age here pierre felt all the inadequateness of both his own and isabel's united knowledge to clear up the profound mysteriousness of her early life to the certainty of this irremovable obscurity he bowed himself and strove to dismiss it from his mind as worse than hopeless so also in a good degree did he endeavour to drive out of him isabel's reminiscence of the to her unnameable large house from which she had been finally removed by the pleasant woman in the coach this episode in her life about all other things was most cruelly suggestive to him as possibly involving his father in the privity to a thing at which pierre's inmost soul fainted with amazement and abhorrence here the helplessness of all further light and the eternal impossibility of logically exonerating his dead father in his own mind from the liability to this and many other of the blackest self-insinuated suppositions all this came over pierre with a power so infernal and intense that it could only have proceeded from the unretarded malice of the evil one himself but subtly and wantonly as the conceit stole into him pierre as subtly opposed them and with the hue and cry of his whole indignant soul pursued them forth again into the wide tartarean realm from which they had emerged the more and the more that pierre revolved the story of isabel in his mind so much the more he amended his original idea that much of its obscurity would depart upon a second interview he saw or seemed to see that it was not so much isabel who had by her wild idiosyncrasies mystified the narration of her history as it was the essential and unavoidable mystery of her history itself which had invested isabel with such wonderful enigmas to him chapter eight the issue of these reconsiderings was the conviction that all he could now reasonably anticipate from isabel in further disclosure on the subject of her life was some few additional particulars bringing it down to the present moment and also possibly filling out the latter portion of what she had already revealed to him nor here could he persuade himself that she would have much to say isabel had not been so digressive and withholding as he had thought what more indeed could she now have to impart except by what strange means she had at last come to find her brother out and the dreary recital of how she had pecuniarily wrestled with her destitute condition how she had come to leave one place of toiling refuge for another till now he found her in humble servitude at farmer Uver's. is it possible then thought pierre that there lives a human creature in this common world of every days 
whose whole history may be told in little less than two score words and yet embody in that smallness a fathomless fountain of ever-welling mystery is it possible after all that spite of bricks and shaven faces this world we live in is brimmed with wonders and i and all mankind beneath our garbs of commonplaceness conceal enigmas that the stars themselves and perhaps the highest seraphim cannot resolve the intuitively certain however literally unproven fact of isabel's sisterhood to him was a link that he now felt binding him to a before unimagined and endless chain of wandering his very blood seemed to flow through all his arteries with unwonted subtleness when he thought that the same tide flowed through the mystic veins of isabel all his occasional pangs of dubiousness as to the grand governing thing of all the reality of the physical relationship only recoiled back upon him with added tribute of both certainty and insolubleness she is my sister my own father's daughter well why do i believe it the other day i had not so much as heard the remotest rumour of her existence and what has since occurred to change me what so new and incontestable vouchers have i handled not at all but i have seen her well grant it i might have seen a thousand other girls whom i had never seen before but for that i would not own any one among them for my sister but the portrait the chair portrait pierre think of that but that was painted before isabel was born what can that portrait have to do with isabel it is not the portrait of isabel it is my father's portrait and yet my mother swears it is not he now alive as he was to all these searching argumentative itemizings of the minutest known facts any way bearing upon the subject and yet at the same time persuaded strong as death that in spite of them isabel was indeed his sister how could pierre naturally poetic and therefore piercing as he was how could he fail to acknowledge the existence of that all-controlling and all-permeating wonderfulness which when imperfectly and isolatedly recognized by the generality is so significantly dominated the finger of god but it is not merely the finger it is the whole outspread hand of god for doth not scripture intimate that he holdeth all of us in the hollow of his hand a hollow truly still wandering through the forest his eye pursuing its ever-shifting shadowy vistas remote from all visible haunts and traces of that strangely wilful race who in the sordid traffickings of clay and mud are ever seeking to denationalize the natural heavenliness of their souls there came into the mind of pierre thoughts and fancies never imbibed within the gates of towns but only given forth by the atmosphere of primeval forests which with the eternal ocean are the only unchanged general objects remaining to this day from those that originally met the gaze of adam for so it is that the apparently most inflammable or evaporable of all earthly things wood and water are in this view immensely the most endurable now all his ponderings however excursive wheeled round isabel as their centre and back to her they came again from every excursion and again derived some new small germs for wonderment the question of time occurred to pierre how old was isabel according to all reasonable inferences from the presumed circumstances of her life she was his elder certainly though by uncertain years yet her whole aspect was that of more than childlikeness nevertheless not only did he feel his muscular superiority to her so to speak which made him spontaneously alive to a feeling of elderly protectingness over her 
not only did he experience the thoughts of superior world acquaintance and general cultured knowledge but spite of reason's self and irrespective of all mere computings he was conscious of a feeling which independently pronounced him her senior in point of time and isabel a child of everlasting youngness this strange though strong conceit of his mysterious persuasion doubtless had its untraced and but little suspected origin in his mind from ideas born of his devout meditations upon the artless infantileness of her face which though profoundly mournful in the general expression yet did not by any means for that cause lose one wit in its singular infantileness as the faces of real infants in their earliest visibleness do oft-times wear a look of deep and endless sadness but it was not the sadness nor indeed strictly speaking the infantileness of the face of isabel which so singularly impressed him with the idea of her original and changeless youthfulness it was something else yet something which entirely eluded him imaginatively exalted by the willing suffrages of all mankind into higher and purer realms than men themselves inhabit beautiful women those of them at least who are beautiful in soul as well as body do notwithstanding the relentless law of earthly fleetingness still seem for a long interval mysteriously exempt from the incantations of decay for as the outward loveliness touch by touch departs the interior beauty touch by touch replaces that departing bloom with charms which underivable from earth possess the ineffaceableness of stars else why at the age of sixty have some women held in the strongest bonds of love and fealty men young enough to be their grandsons and why did all seducing ninon unintendingly break scores of hearts at seventy it is because of the perennialness of womanly sweetness out from the infantile yet eternal mournfulness of the face of isabel there looked on pierre that angelic childlikeness which our saviour hints is the one only investiture of translated souls for of such even of little children is the other world now unending as the wonderful rivers which once bathed the feet of the primeval generations and still remain to flow fast by the graves of all succeeding men and by the beds of all now living unending ever flowing ran through the soul of pierre fresh and fresher further and still further thoughts of isabel but the more his thoughtful river ran the more mysteriousness it floated to him and yet the more certainty that the mysteriousness was unchangeable in her life there was an unravelled plot and he felt that unravelled it would eternally remain to him no slightest hope or dream had he that what was dark and mournful in her would ever be cleared up into some coming atmosphere of light and mirth like all youths pierre had conned his novel lessons had read more novels than those persons of his years but their false inverted attempts at systemizing eternally unsystemizable elements their audacious intermeddling impotency in trying to unravel and spread out and classify the more thin than gossamer threads which make up the complex web of life these things over pierre had no power now straight through their helpless miserableness he pierced the one sensational truth in him transfixed like beetles all the speculative lies in them he saw that human life doth truly come from that which all men are agreed to call by the name of god and that it partakes of the unravelable inscrutableness of god 
by infallible presentiment he saw that not always doth life's beginning gloom conclude in gladness that wedding bells peal not ever in the last scene of life's fifth act that while the countless tribes of common novels laboriously spin veils of mystery only to complacently clear them up at last and while the countless tribe of common dramas do but repeat the same yet the profounder emanations of the human mind intended to illustrate all that can be humanly known of human life these never unravel their own intricacies and have no proper endings but in imperfect unanticipated and disappointing sequels as mutilated stumps hurry to abrupt intermergings with the eternal tides of time and fate so pierre renounced all thought of ever having isabel's dark lantern illuminated to him her light was lidded and the lid was locked nor did he feel a pang at this by posting hither and thither among the reminiscences of his family and craftily interrogating his remaining relatives on his father's side he might possibly rake forth some few small grains of dubious and most unsatisfying things which were he that way strongly bent would only serve the more hopelessly to cripple him in his practical resolves he determined to pry not at all into this sacred problem for him now the mystery of isabel possessed all the bewitchingness of the mysterious vault of night whose very darkness evokes the witchery the thoughtful river still ran on in him and now it floated still another thing to him though the letter of isabel gushed with all a sister's sacred longings to embrace her brother and in the most abandoned terms painted the anguish of her lifelong estrangement from him and though in effect it took vows to this that without his continual love and sympathy further life for her was only fit to be thrown into the nearest unfathomed pool or rushing stream yet when the brother and sister had encountered according to the set appointment none of these impassionedments had been repeated she had more than thrice thanked god and most earnestly blessed himself that now he had come near to her in her loneliness but no gesture of common and customary sisterly affection nay from his embrace had she not struggled nor kissed him once nor had he kissed her except when the salute was solely sought by him now pierre began to see mysteries interpierced with mysteries and mysteries eluding mysteries and began to seem to see the mere imaginariness of the so supposed solidest principle of human association fate had done this thing for them fate had separated the brother and the sister till to each other they somehow seemed so not at all sisters shrink not from their brother's kisses and pierre felt that never never would he be able to embrace isabel with the mere brotherly embrace while the thought of any other caress which took hold of any domesticness was entirely vacant from his uncontaminated soul for it had never consciously intruded there therefore forever unsistered for him by the stroke of fate and apparently forever and twice removed from the remotest possibility of that love which had drawn him to his lucy yet still the object of the ardentest and deepest emotions of his soul therefore to him isabel wholly soared out of the realms of mortalness and for him became transfigured in the highest heaven of uncorrupted love end of book seven